0: For in the near future. So, in case you've been living under a rock the last few weeks, uh, there was a youth soccer team from Thailand and their coach who was trapped in a cave. And for I think ten days, uh, they were all rescued. I followed along because it was it was scary, it was fascinating. It was I would I don't think miraculous is too strong of a word that the the fact that they were to able to rescue all these boys and their coach out of that cave. <clears throat> Expert cave divers came in from all over the world because they couldn't find them. They were gone uh, missing for, I think, six days, seven days uh, before anybody. Actually, I think it was a longer than that. It might have been nine days they were missing before they were even found. Two on, oh yeah, on day 10, two British cave divers who were considered some of the foremost expert cave divers in the world discovered them 1.83 miles into this cave. It's just unbelievable that someone could swim that far. Six-hour swim there, six-hour swim back to the entrance of the cave to find this crew. The rescue was harrowing. Unfortunately, one rescue diver passed away in the middle of this operation. It took over 100 expert personnel to pull each boy out of the cave, 100 people per kid to get them uh, rescued successfully. There's a really great BBC article on this. And one of my favorite YouTube videos in a while is the two British divers discovering the group. They live recorded them coming up out of the water and seeing the boys. And they're like, how many of you there are you? Because they wanted to know, is everybody here? And they said 13. And the the British responded, brilliant. Like that was their very British excitement to the fact that they discovered every single one of them alive. It's a really fun video. Um, But I couldn't help but see being a Christian and and having the you know, the, you know trying to look through the, at the world through a Christ uh, Christ's worldview, I couldn't help see the but help see the parallels between um, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and what was happening in this cave. Um, the boys had their coach, and to me, when I like the more I, I read about him and what he was doing to help the boys, I felt like that's what the Holy Spirit does. Like you're in the midst of darkness, the unknown, fear. Uh, ignorance, like how do I survive in the midst of something I was not prepared for? That's what the Spirit gives us and does with us. So the, the the coach taught the boys how to meditate. He taught the boys don't drink the water in the pool, drink the water leaking down off the cave walls because that's coming from up top, that's fresh, it's safe. He helped them survive. And that just reminded me of the Holy Spirit. And then the two divers discovering the boys, that reminded me of Christ, like this this willingness, like we, we just talked about Christ being on the cross and willing to lay down his life. These two British cave divers, one of them is a fireman, and the other one I think might be a therapist or, or a, I, I can't remember. They don't get paid to do this. They just do it, and they, they know a lot about it, and they flew across the world to pursue these kids, put their own lives at stake, and they've done this before. They've rescued many people before, and it just reminded me of Christ, like constantly pursuing Willing to go where no one else will go, in order to meet us there, and I, I, I saw Christ in that, drawing close to these boys. Um, these boys had their coach uh, that helped them cling to hope in this literal, like deep darkness that they were in, and it just made me think about today's topic of, of hope, of what is hope, how do we navigate this journey of life with uh, with the posture and the presence of hope, you know, whether it be a real dark time. Uh, like we, I talked about this last week, uh, or may, you know, maybe it's more of a, just a tension. Like, you know, life's just kind of like, bleh, like boring or unclear, like what the next step is on the journey. Or if you, you've lost your excitement about where your, your life is going or the next step on the journey, it doesn't, it, the, the, the pendulum can swing wide over whether it's pain and suffering and, um, you know, horrible circumstances or whether it's just kind of like. I don't know what the next step is like i don't know what to do how do we have hope in the midst of living like that and carrie gave me the title for these two sermons um basically it's called hang in there hope for the in-between like how do we have hope when we're in this in-between phase of life of not knowing what's going to happen or the next step or having a lack of clarity and understanding with restore Communally there's some news we need to share that falls I think into this subject matter as many Of you know um, and maybe not all of you We we had offered a pastoral role To Brian and Robin Amick to come On staff at restore church this summer They were supposed to move here in July they Had accepted the role they'd begun fundraising <clears throat> And then they called us about three and a Half four weeks ago right before Karen I went on vacation And said we're not coming And it was really Out of nowhere we had It, it was shocking it was Very disappointing uh, but talking to them and hearing their circumstances, it was the right decision. They, they shouldn't come. In fact, we need to be praying for them with, with stuff they've got going on in their lives. Um, but it was a wise decision for them not to come. But it was really disappointing to hear that. Um, and what's crazy, well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'll, it was just disappointing. Um, there was a bit of comic relief in there. Uh, I was talking to Andy McNeely, who was planting uh, our church in Baltimore this fall. The day before Brian called me to tell me they weren't coming, I was talking to Andy, and he's like, "Are you pumped?" I'm like, "Yeah, man." But honestly, like, I'm a Cub. I'm a Cub fan who's experienced a lot of trauma. Um, the Cubs won a World Series, but I'm kind of like, when like I'll celebrate. I told him, "I'm like I will celebrate when I see the moving van pulling into the driveway of the house that they've rented." And the next day, Brian called me, and then I called Andy, and I'm like, "You will not believe <laughs> what just happened." Uh, so it was re- it was comic relief, a much needed moment of comic relief. Um, but man, yeah, it was disappointing. And it's like, you have those moments where you expect something, whether it's communally as a church or individually, you are like what, like now what, now what's the next step? What's the future look like? And that's the in between. That's the unknown. That's the wilderness, the desert, you know, it's described in different ways throughout scripture. Uh, But we've all experienced it. If you haven't, you will. All right. It's going to happen. So when we do experience that, or if you're in the midst of it. How do you find hope in the midst of that? That's what we're talking about today. Um, and what we, what we know, what we believe is that the Holy Spirit is near, is with us, and that Christ is pursuing us, and he is going to reveal uh, the next step towards heavenly reality. And our scripture for today is of Mary, the mother of Jesus, singing what's called Mary's Magnificat. And we've studied this, this song that she sings before. Uh, Mary conceived of the Magnificat while living in dire circumstances as a Jew under Roman occupation, further endangered by her status as an unmarried pregnant woman of color. And in her song, she articulates a theology of what we call theology of imminence the belief that the God of hope is precisely to be found in the midst of uncertainty and distress. That is where God meets us, that's our theology as Christians. This is the song of an occupied person. She's occupied by a suffocating empire as a Jewish woman in the Roman Empire. She's oppressed culturally as an unwed pregnant Jewish woman. And in ancient Jewish culture, it's not a good good or safe place to be. Uh, She was personally and physically occupied by a child. Um, Pregnancy is no joke. Not that I would know from personal experience, but we do have three children, and my wife tells me that. Um, It's quite a journey. Pregnancy is challenging. So both within and without, Mary is experiencing the in-between, distress, uncertainty. You know, what's going to happen? Uh, she has plenty of reasons to feel hopeless, endless reasons. But in her song of praise, we don't see a Mary who is downtrodden, cynical, anxious, angry, worried. We see hope. And so that's our scripture that we're going to read today in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 46 through 40 or... 46 through 55. It's on page 715. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So she sings this just amazing um, song of hope, futuristic, historical. She's both going; she's fast forwarding to the, what she sees in the future, and to um, centuries past with Abraham. So she's hopeful. So what is hope? What we see from Mary is someone who dares to rejoice and celebrate God despite her circumstances, remembering His faithfulness in the past and trusting Him with the future. That's hope. Um, I also love the way Henry Nowen. Um, defines hope, and he differentiates it from optimism. He says, optimism is the expectation that things, the weather, human relationship, the economy, the political situation, and so on will get better. Hope is trust that God will fulfill promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. The optimist speaks about concrete changes in the future. The person of hope lives in the moment with the knowledge and trust That all of life is in good hands. So living with hope means embracing this unhurried, contemplative spirit. That's what we see in Mary. She should be worrying, anxious, and fearful. But instead, she just starts singing and praising God. She's in the middle of hellish circumstances and starts singing. So it's like, how do we do that? How do we sing? You know, whether it's actually like Carrie does, Carrie sings all the time. I'm hearing her constantly. Or... And, you know, maybe it's your, how does your soul sing? Like, how do, you, how do you have that posture in the midst of this? How do we work ourselves into that frame of mind? So I'm going to recap briefly three practices that I talked about last week on how to have hope in the in-between. The first one is eat with others. Um, I read, this, when we took communion earlier, I read from the book of Luke, the most common activity... Of Jesus and his disciples that's recorded in the book of Luke is eating with him and with other people. There, that's no accident that Luke recorded that. Um, Luke knows, and Jesus knows, when we sit and dine and tend to his presence with other people, hope is always a companion with him at the dinner table. It's there, it just happens when we eat with others. So you need to regularly dine with other people um and making jesus the focal point of the meal the meal the drinks the dessert this all tills the soil of our minds and hearts it brings down the barriers of pride and privacy the longer you sit at a table with someone the more you're going to like them the more you're going to enjoy their presence and the more you're going to get to know them so all these barriers come down between you and god and you and others the second thing i said was jesus regularly took breaks time off from his ministry and his disciples he showed them how to rest And we spent a lot of time in our church talking about the practice and the sacred nature of rest and how we need to be doing that. And then the third thing, he led them into prayer. Um, And we're going to be actually teaching on prayer August 5th. We're actually having a guest speaker come in. in. Um, So you're going to hear a fresh voice, a fresh angle on how to pray and what prayer is, what it does. But those are three things that we see Jesus doing Throughout his ministry, to teach his disciples how to have hope in the midst of honestly, really not knowing what was going on. I mean, for three years they hadn't really—they're like, "What is happening?" He just continually surprised them and shocked them with his actions and his teachings. So, what else can we do for hope in the in between? So, I'm going to give you three more things that we can do in the midst of experiences, experiencing these moments or these seasons of life. The first one is the disciples recognized. Or Jesus reminded them of their limitations. Like he let them know. So in John chapter 6 verses 60 through 69, I read the scripture last week. Jesus gave this really long, really deep, really strange sermon. And people were like, what? Huh? Confused, unclear, didn't understand it. So in the after that, many, is, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the, from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Peter recognized his their limitations. Like, we don't know. We need to, we need to stay with you because we still don't get it. And then when they didn't, when they thought they knew they got it, Jesus reminded them of their limitations. So in Matthew 16 a pretty popular story from then on jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders the leading priests and the teachers of religious law he would be killed but on the third day he would be raised from the dead but peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things heaven forbid lord he said this will never happen to you jesus turned to peter and said get away from me satan you're a dangerous trap to me you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So Jesus reminded them, like, you don't know everything. You have limits. You have limitations. And he reminded them of those. So you've got to recognize your limitations, and you've got to recognize your wounds. Where are you hurt? My counselor told me um, big shifts happen in our lives when we befriend the wound, and which I thought was an interesting way of, of putting it. Many of our wounds occurred in childhood so this emotional scar that we've got, it runs really deep. There's a lot of scar tissue. And I think many of us resist the negative, the tension, or the pain, the unknown that comes with recognizing wounds and then actually befriending them. So let me give you an example of not befriending wounds. All right. So in February, I started to feel it. I've had i I've be, I've gotten in tune enough now to know when I'm entering kind of a, a An unknown or uh, like a wilderness, dark spiritual place. Like what? Okay. God's trying to do something in me. And my natural instinct is to completely resist it. And I, and and to kind of self medicate. So what I did was I'm like, I want, what I do is I want to have fun. Like I I don't want to think about serious stuff or negative stuff or pain or wounds or my inadequacies. I want to have fun. So I knew my brother and my dad were going to go to Las Vegas in March. From March Madness, so if you're not into basketball, that's where the it's a 68 team college basketball tournament that happens every year, and uh, I was like, I want to go to Las Vegas with my dad and my brother, and I did, and I went for three days, and we watched a lot of basketball in Las Vegas Sportsbook, which is quite an experience to see a lot of people bet a lot of money on teams they have no idea uh, they they know nothing about. Uh, people are screaming and yelling and throwing drinks. I'm like, this is fantastic. It was so. You talk about great people watching. And we golfed all day long. Uh, we played poker. Uh, had in and out. Ate amazing food. Stayed up late. Slept in late. It had an absolute blast from start to finish. And then I came back to Maryland and I was grumpier than when I left. It did nothing for me because I did, I wasn't befriending the wound. I was ignoring it. I was placating it. I was self-medicating. So I did nothing. So as we see with Mary, joy is actually hidden in the sorrow. And now it says, joys are hidden in the sorrows. I know this from my own times of depression. I know it from living with people with mental handicaps. I know from looking into the eyes of patients and from being with the poorest of the poor We keep forgetting this truth and become overwhelmed by our own darkness. We easily lose sight of our joys and speak of our sorrows as the only reality there is. We need to remind each other that the cup of sorrow is also the cup of joy. That precisely what causes us sadness can become the fertile ground for gladness Indeed, we need to be angels for each other to give each other strength and consolation, because only when we fully realize that the cup of life is not only a cup of sorrow, but also a cup of joy, will we be able to drink it. So to befriend the the wound means to drink the cup of sorrow and and, and joy at the same time. Mary exhibited this, and it seems like a paradox. It seems like they can't go together. This doesn't make any sense. Um, if Christianity is anything, it's a paradox, right? Death leads to life. Love your enemies. Someone slaps you on the cheek, you turn and give them the other cheek to hit joy in the midst of sorrow. Like this is a common theme that Christianity. It's just a completely different reality, a completely different way of living. But you got to recognize the wounds you have, befriend the wounds, because when you do that, joy will come. Hope will come. So some very practical ways that I've tried is I write my prayers. During those seasons, I actually write down what I'm praying because I want to record it. I want to track it. And what I start to see over time is I go back and I read these and I start to see themes and, and common topics, common areas of tension. Counseling really helps. All right, having someone that you can be completely wide open with and, and not have to worry about judgment um, and, they, and they've also, they're also experts at seeing these wounds. Friends who tell the truth help. All right? it's, all easy. it's really easy for us to hang out with people who just believe the same things we believe and, and never say anything truthful to us, but to have friends who actually tell you the truth about who you are or what they see. Uh, there's a practice called Lectio Divina. So we have a yearly reading plan that we're doing at Restore. It's on the app. So what I've been doing is I'll open today's scripture... And then I'll read it out loud, and I will do it like two or three times, and I will note what word or phrase pops, like what for some reason it just sticks to me. And what I'll do is I'll write that word or phrase down, and I might pray around it. Uh, I might just let it – I may not have any idea why it's popping, so I'll just kind of dwell on it the rest of the day. It will just stick, um, and I'll just take note of it so that way – I'm looking for trends. I'm looking for themes that God me, you know, God's trying to heal, uh, areas of woundedness that I might not be aware of. Um, all of that and more will help you recognize the wounds that you have. And again, I said recognize your limitations. So if you're trying to discern the next step in your life, part of that's recognizing your limitations. Know your limits and your capabilities, uh, what you can handle in life. Write them down. Discuss them openly with people who know you well and have them speak into them. Um, so let me give you a couple examples of what that means, like knowing your limitations and capabilities and abilities. Um, my oldest son, Ty, is dead set on playing baseball at the University of Notre Dame. Like, that's his dream. And he's asked me a number of times, <clears throat> Dad, do you think I can play baseball for Notre Dame someday? And Ty is, is actually really smart. Smart kid, gets great grades. Academically, he might be able to go to Notre Dame. He's actually pretty good at baseball. Athletically, he might be able to go to Notre Dame. So I told him, of course you can. You can do anything. If you work hard, put your mind to it. No, I didn't tell him that. <laughs> what I told him was the truth. I told him, it's very unlikely, son. You're probably not going to play baseball at Notre Dame. There's less than a 1% statistical chance that's going to happen. I told him the truth, not to like destroy his confidence, because there is a chance, but I recognize his limitations. All right, more parents and sports need to do that. By the way, um, if you've seen, everybody thinks their kid is the next MVP of whatever sport they're playing. He's a good athlete. I'm not sure he's a great athlete. He's a really great student. Is he going to go to Notre Dame? I don't know. But I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he does play baseball at the University of Notre Dame. But we have to recognize the limitations we have. Like, I I know that I could never do anything in the medical field because as soon as someone starts telling me about the procedure they just had, I'm like, whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop. Like, I get lightheaded. I can't even handle hearing about it, let alone seeing anything. Um, I I, I don't want to know any of that. I had the unfortunate occurrence, Carrie was in much more pain of when she was having her emergency C-section with Ty, I walked into the room unprepared for what I was going to see happening. And that's just, I'm like, I know my limitations. So whether it be parenting, our housing, our jobs, another area of life, we have to regularly, regularly acknowledge our limitations and what we're capable of. There's actually freedom in knowing what you're not capable of, what your limits are. There's a lot of freedom in that. And that freedom sparks hope. In the midst of trying to discern the future. And then finally, recognize your commitments. Uh, understand how you're wired and what God has given you fuel for. Like, uh, you know, there's a part in the story that you're playing that you really love. Um, what's gonna continually, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter your job or where you live, you're, it's gonna hold your attention consistently. So for us, we're the parents of three boys. That's going to hold our attention, no matter what we're doing, no matter the ups or downs of life, we love them unconditionally and their discipleship and their spiritual growth are priority one for us. That's not going to change. That's our, that's one of our commitments um, for, uh, for both of us. I am continually um, haunted by the refugee crisis and people who are suffering from war uh, or from injustice. Like I know my involvement in that, in some way, is never going to go away. It's just there. It's a commitment that I have that God has put on my mind and heart, and the the uh, the concern that I have never wavers over what's happening there. So think about for you what are the commitments that you have uh, that are that are going to be with you forever, because that will help you discern uh, what the next step might be, and it will also give you hope. Like by recognizing, look, I know God has spoken before because he's given me this or that or he's pushed me here. So recognizing what he's done in the past uh, will give you hope for the in-between and will also help you discern the future. Let's pray.